Welcome back to the Buddhist Millionaire Podcast. I'm Matt Jardine, your host and author of How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire, Nine Practical Steps to Being Happy in a Materialist World. Have you read it yet? Um, I'm not going to hassle you, but if you haven't read it yet, read it. A little bit of housekeeping. This podcast, as you know, is powered by coffee. So if you like what you hear today, please go ahead, buy me a coffee at my Buy Me a Coffee page. Shout out to Wada, actually, over at Musket MMA. He bought me a coffee this week. Thank you, brother. If you'd like to join Wada, the link to my page is somewhere in this description. If you care enough to get me coffee, you will find it. Also, thanks to our podcast partners, Ferenz, the platform for podcasters who want to reach everyone. Missing Letter, Grow Your Social Presence the Smart Way, and of course, Book Award Pro, How Authors Become Award-Winning Authors. Ah, Have a look at that, then you'll find out. Uh, What's been happening this week? Well, I finally got round to reading The Life of Pi. I know, I know, I know, it's been out forever, turned into a film, everyone's even bored of the film, and I'm just picking up the book. Well, actually, I found it on my mother-in-law's shelf, to be fair. Uh, That's a beautiful bit of writing. In the writing world, They kind of commonly give you two bits of advice to improve your work. Read a lot and write a lot, obviously. (laughs) But I have to be very, I'm in the middle of writing my own novel and I have to be really careful what I read because it throws me off track. And my editor comes back to me and says, have you been reading such and such? Because I've clearly just nicked stuff from it, not not knowing. So I've had to be careful. Um, And speaking of books, my copy of Breed came, A Life in uh, Flow by Hickson Gracie. That came this week. By the way, it's not actually by Hickson. It's by Peter Maguire, who has done an amazing job collaborating on that. So I'm working through that. And of course, that brings us on to today's guests. So speaking of books and martial artists, my guests today fit into both worlds and many many others um he's one of my favorite men in the entire solar system um and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this if he's embarrassed whatever but i'd say he's a mentor friend confidant and he's just one of those fabulously accomplished humans as far as buddhist millionaireship goes doing what you love and making it pay you don't get a better example um his wide reaching experience includes political and public affairs consultant legislative staff i rehearsed that three times that's the only time i said it without spitting all over myself franciscan friar which i love he's a martial arts hall of famer podcaster coach and award-winning author he's got 17 books under his belt please welcome the one and only mr chris wilder hello sir <laughs> oh, good day, my friend. Good day. Um, I'm going to have to nick that to intro and send it to my mother. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crowd-pleasing mum intro, isn't it, that one? Yeah, it is. But all true, though. All true, as you know. Yeah, it is It is true. It is, it, yeah, it is all true. And yeah. Um, there was an old TV show in, in, um, in the States back in the uh, 60s. And it was called the the Guns of Will Sonnet. Right. Will Sonnet was a uh, gunfighter, and it was uh, he had some boys that were gunfighters too. That was the premise, and probably within one episode, you know, a month, they somebody'd say, "Well, I hear you're the best gunfighter in the West," <laughs> and his response was always, "No brag, just fact." <laughs> My, my pen is already unclipped to get that's going to be. I would steal that for a book somewhere. Yeah. If you, when you read yeah. the novel, you know what's going to be in there. Right? I've got to be careful. <laughs> no <what I> <laughs> no so you are in Spokane. I am. Yeah, I have relocated from Seattle to Spokane. 
Washington State is uh, split in half by the Cascade Mountains. And so the, uh, the west side of the state is uh, wet and uh, lots of, uh, you know, uh, pine trees and ferns and salmon. And when you get onto the other side of the mountain, it's uh, rolling plains, uh, trout and pine trees. So um, one side looks very much like Kansas or right. the Midwest. Yeah. And one side looks very much like the Pacific Northwest as we know it. So, yeah. Stunning. Absolutely. And since you told me you'd moved, now I see it everywhere, right? Even yesterday, Shezza and I were watching a, a thing on Bob Ross. Do you remember that on like that? guy that he did the painting stuff big fuzzy hair he doesn't know bob okay Ross. okay so bob Ross. anyway so they were interviewing his well i, I yeah. thought it was just me but we, we watched it is amazing no. but his his son it lives in uh spokane or spokane so yeah it was um and, and yeah. tell me i love the the translation the native american translation you you told me it meant something do you remember what it is uh it means like uh children or people of the sun it's uh, named after the uh, Spokane tribe, the Native American tribe. Um, and um, just as a point of uh, interest here, because I think this was a very elegant solution. The, um, the minor league baseball team in Spokane is the Spokane Indians. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they said, hey, you know, there's some dust up about using the name Indians. What do you think? You know, so uh, what they did is they struck a deal with the tribe and they actually have an alternate uniform that has the uh, traditional um, Spokane uh, language for their, their uh -huh. logo. Uh -huh. uh, they have all of these placards around, you know, explaining the history of the Native Americans and so forth. So it's a, it a very elegant solution to what has been uh, somewhat of a problem now and then. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, no, we, we get a chance to continue to keep our tradition alive through this format and you're not doing anything disrespectful. So let's go. Yeah. And so I just thought it was a, a interesting point, a nice resolution instead of a, a ham fisted uh, governmental action, which is so uh, common, right? I mean, it's, it's <clears> such <throat> a, such an easy way to go in kind of, you know, not metaphorically guns blazing or maybe not and just kind of, you know, hack your way through it rather than just trying yeah. to sit down and trying to find the middle way. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Via media, the middle way. Now, listen, that I, as well as just chatting with you, the other reason I brought you on today, of course, the podcast for those newcomers who are listening, welcome. So the concept of Buddhist millionaireship is this, you need to, mm -hmm. you neither need to have be a Buddhist or a millionaire, but it's the idea, the concept of, uh, doing work that is meaningful, that you love, but it also pays the bills, right? So just, you know, mm -hmm. imagine a mm -hmm. spectrum. Everyone on one end is the broke creative. Yes, darling, I'm making fabulous cultures out of paper mache and I haven't earned a penny for 10 years. And on the other end is a kind of a, you know, the banker who kind of kills puppies for a living. And they're very cliche, but somewhere in the middle is where we want to be, somewhere where we love what we're doing, but we've got to pay bills. Now, Chris, you have always struck me ever since i met you up in i think first time in oxfordshire at yeah. family webs yeah. dojo you've always struck me as someone who absolutely loves what in fact before that backing up i'd read uh, the way of sanchin and the way of kata two of your karate books of course and you've always struck me as someone who just is 
very passionate about what they do. And then when I met you for real in the flesh, as it were, that was clearly obvious. So I want to pick your brains, bearing in mind that a third of our lives are spent at work or making money to not do what you love seems kind of quite a chunk of life to waste. So I want to pick your brains on because you have had a lot of careers and how have you done it? How have you found the passion? How have you kept reinventing yourself? So I guess, should we, can we start off? Tell us some of the things that you have been and done because they're extensive and fascinating. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done everything from, um, from talk radio to country Western radio to um, digging ditches, uh, working in concrete, um, teaching martial arts, obviously, uh, political and public affairs consulting, um, you know, uh, just a lot of different, I, wor I worked at an, at a agricultural irrigation company for a while. Um, I've owned, um, an ignition interlock company where, you know, you can't start your car unless you blow into the receiver and mm. you can't start your car if you've been drinking. Mm. Um, you know, so a lot of different things and all of them have something to teach, something to learn. Um, <clears throat> and some of them were bad fits. Okay. I thought they were a great thing, but they were a bad fit. And so, um, you know, it, it, there, there's always talk about, you know, hey, don't don't do this, get the lesson, move on and all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> well, excuse, excuse me, I'm not known for being um, one to pick up a lot of subtlety sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, um, th there are there are aspects of the world that I, I kind of have a blank place about them in my psyche. And then there's other places where, um, you know, the subtlety is so obvious to me. I, and I've always kind of lived in a world of um, symbology, mm -hmm. of icons, of swirling Jungian ideas. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I don't know that I've always been that literal of a person. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> with that comes, you know, the ability to interpret the moment or, you know, what, what's being, you know, demonstrated or shown to you by the world or people around you and so forth. And if you can pick up on those cues, you can do quite nicely. And, and if you can't, then you uh, suffer the, you know, the result of it, the, you know, the reinvention and so forth. Um, I was actually talking about this on my podcast the other day. Um, in the states, they have a yearbook. When you go to call, when you go to school, high school, they have a yearbook, mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of a cataloging of the year's experience at that at that school. And um, the thing is, is that the seniors, the you're leaving, you know, it's your last year. You get a special page, and you get to put some sort of quote underneath your picture. You know, like you've got something that's of merit to say at 18 or 19 years. Of yeah, age. yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't eat yellow snow. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah this is this yeah, my I mean, yearbook quote. <laughs> you might as well, you know and I mean? It's like, uh, you know, well, you know, 
you, you, you wind up quoting your favorite rock band, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of, an, but I, I was, I had opened it up. I had occasion to open it up and uh, I saw mine and mine, mine actually said, uh, knowing myself could take all of my life. Um, and I wish that I could take credit for that, but I think that it just came down from on high somewhere, you know, that the clouds parted and a ray of, of something hit me in the middle of my forehead. You probably got out and, of the life and life of pie as you were reading it. I'm sure I'll come to the same quote at some point halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, that's, that's the thing is, is that you, you go through various stages of life and, and they're all appropriate for whatever you're doing. And, if you're going to break it into um, four sections in sort of a Jungian uh, way, you know, you have you have the athlete where um, your entire experience of life is shot through the prism of your physicality, and then you you move through that to um, you know the warrior, which is the uh, acquiring of you know. Uh, it might be the acquiring of a home and a spouse and 2.5 children and a motorboat and, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then you move from that into the states person, which is the, um, I, th I think a great way to look at that is uh, uh, turning yourself towards your community, joining your local, um, you know, community. So it's like, we need to fix that park. Don't you think we should fix that park for the betterment of all? Yeah. And then you move into the last phase, which is uh, the priest. And that just kind of means you're sitting on a hillside with a toothpick in your mouth, looking down at what's going on and going, yeah, that's going to sting. <laughs> and yet, yet yeah. and don't, not don't, don't put that mouth. there. Whatever you do, don't yeah. put that thing there. Yeah. That's going to sting. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to sting. Oh, you went ahead and did it anyway. All right. Uh, okay. Um, and, and so, you know, with those various stages of life, you can, um, you know, you can go back and you can look at, or you can look into the future of what you think is appropriate and right. And, you know, when I was doing the political and public affairs, I was full in that warrior mode. I mean, every day you woke up, it was, it was combat. Mm. And it was a zero sum game. There's no in politics. There's no second place in the market. No, you win the election or you go home. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no second place. So, um, you know, it's game on every every moment of every day. And it isn't that uh, that we must win. It's that the other side must lose as well. We must win and they must lose. Must lose. Yeah, that's a very, very different environment isn't it it's kind of total destruction to have the place there's no kind of middle ground on that is there it's we've got to be on top completely and you have to be wrong as well yes but once you cross into the legislative end of things it's very uh different mm. because you have to be able to um you have to be able to uh rape kill and disembowel your political opponent in a legislative environment and have them thank you for it. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so that's a that's a different mindset. And then within that, you have, um, you know, like you take uh, the prime minister. The prime minister is a is a different brain type than the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. They're they're different. One is very process oriented. The other is more goal oriented 
Um, and so they make different personalities and those different personalities manifest themselves in the public arena uh, differently. And if you're talking in legislative terms in a political uh, environment, it doesn't fit. Mm. It, it, it doesn't fit because you can say something that might be process oriented, um, thoughtful, circumspect, and reasonable. But in the public arena, it was the worst thing you could have done. Yeah. You know, so that that's that environment. And it's, uh, it's different. Uh, when you move into like the ideas of marketing, um, then you're dealing with, um, you know, more room within the market. Uh, you can, you can, you can have a third place. You can like, like, okay. In, in, let me ask you this question in, in the UK, they sell Marmite, right? They do. Now, I'm a big Marmite own... fan. Let's be clear on that. Let's get that straight out there. Oh, no, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's, it's one of my, one of my favorite pleasures is Marmite on, on buttered toast. Oh, that's just it. There's nothing else yeah. to do. That's, that's the end of no. the world. There's full stop on the back. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Take me now, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but in the UK, do they also sell Vegemite? Well, no, but the counter, that's Australian, but the counterpart would be Bovril. Okay. See, Bovril. See, my dad grew up on Bovril. We grew up on Bovril until I kind yeah. of went, oh, well, I'm eating boiled damn beef. I'll go with Marmite. Yeah. So you see, there's a second place in that market. Yeah. yeah. There's one dominant one, but there's a second place in that market. Um, and, um, you know, that's a, that's a different environment. So when you're looking at, say, like writing a book or um, uh, having a podcast, you know, the question is, who, who am I serving? Is this uh, of value? And that's a, I've never written the book, My Life in the Martial Arts. And I'm going to tell you why. No one cares. No one cares. Mm. They don't, they don't, your instructor may be the most influential individual in your life. They may have saved your life and quite literally so. They yeah. may have saved your life. No one cares. And, you know, we don't care about that. No one. And so what happens is if you write this book, that's, you know, my journey in the martial arts or my promise to my instructor or all this kind of stuff. Um, nice vanity project. Yeah. Is what I have to say, uh, because it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve the reader. You think it does, but they don't care. The, this is going to sound extraordinarily harsh and it is meant to be harsh. And if you get these th three things, you will grasp how to write a book. The question is, what's in it for me? Don't make me work. And it better be free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, if you can answer those three questions, now, obviously, I'm selling a book, so it can't be free. So it has to be reasonably priced. Um, you know, what's in it for me? Well, better karate. How much time do you spend? How many hours a day? How many, how many hours a week? How, many, uh, how much money do you spend? How much time do you take away from other things to do this? Don't you want to be better at it? Yes, I do. This is one way that you can do it on your terms. Awesome. What's in it for me? Like I said, this will help you do what you want to do on your terms. Okay, great. Reasonably priced. It's going to help me do what I want to do. Uh, yeah, I'm in. So when you write that book of, you know, my journey in something or another, uh, no one cares. Yeah. And, and, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. You don't care about the guy who's on the M1 driving the lorry next to you. No, you don't, you don't know, you don't know anything about them. Yeah. You don't care. You got other things to do. You got to get a muffin and a coffee and you got to get to Tesco before you get home and that, 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 you know? So uh, you have to punch through that. And the only way you can punch through that is to bring uh, value. And now here's the kicker. And you know, this as well as anybody the value that you're presenting isn't for everybody. No. It's for a select few. Yeah. It's for the people that are trying to put their feet on the path, that are trying to find a way, that are trying to sort themselves to become better individuals, better uh, family members, however that's constructed. And, and then if there's anything left in the day to you know share that with the community, whatever flavor that might be, and to do that in an elegant way that keeps you centered, lets you serve your family and friends, and subsequently your community for the betterment of all. Mm. And <clears throat> I could go on. You want me to go on? <laughs> no, I, 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 absolutely. I, I, I mean, there are so many interesting points there, because I agree with all of them. But it brings up a couple of things, um, two things I just wanted to touch on. Uh, I want to come back to the symbology. I just made a note. Yeah. I want to talk about that. But I also want to look at that because I agree with you, right? When you first start writing, you think everyone's going to read my stuff. It's brilliant. And you realize no, no one cares because quite rightly, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Why am I reading this? this my time is important. I want to get something out of this. Fine. But here's my thing. Then where, do, and you spoke about the four different types, the athlete, et cetera, et cetera. And it sounds like it goes, eventually it sort of spreads itself from quite self ish to fairly selfless at the back end when you're when you're the priest mm -hmm. archetype right mm -hmm. yeah, Fine. Yeah, yeah. but where do then we find that line or where do people when they're trying to choose a career right or, or whatever it may be work career passion at what level do we think how do we balance between thinking right what i want to do what kind of really lights me up which is all what's in it for me right <laughs> and then okay, what serves as well, which is the whole what's in it for them? How have you managed to balance that? Because it can be a contradiction, right? Like, for example, I write now with an audience in mind, for sure, because I'd like to think at this moment, I'm not, I'm not falling into that trap of just Look, oh, look about my story. No one cares. But I'm mindful of that audience, but I'm not writing for that audience. Like, 
almost I'm the audience. I want to say something and I want to say it to myself. And if a demographic reads it and enjoys it, happy days. But where do we find that balance between what lights us up and what we do to serve? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, uh, two thoughts. Um, a lobbyist and a screenwriter. Um, years ago, I had a meeting with a guy who was the uh, government relations director for the largest um, truck manufacturer in North America. Okay. Um, they're massive um, factories in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. And I was having a conversation with him and um, he, uh, he said, come up to my office. I was having a meeting with somebody else. He come up to my office. I came up and I sat down with him and, and Jack and I were talking and he, and he said in just really blunt terms, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make a difference. And he said, you can do that with your neighbor next door. Mm. You don't need to do it here. That changed a lot of my uh, behavior. It changed a lot of how I see the world. Um, and then, you know, you talk about writing or preparing any kind of material for uh, people that are looking. I think the secret is to do what a screenwriter said one time. He said, don't give them the number four, give them two plus two. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they want to be involved in the journey. Right. I find that as a reader, I don't need you to tell me, I want to, I want to, you know, don't tell me you're angry. I want to look at, you know, you've thrown the cup against the wall. That's important, right? The reader is made to work as well. Well, yeah, you know, it's, um, Hmm. Somebody's decided. Can you hear that? That's okay. What well, it sounds sounds like something spaceshipy. It's very yeah. exciting. We could just pretend. Right now in America, the takeover is happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, the the two plus two equals four instead of just giving them four. Uh, the I discovered years ago that there is a a large section of the population that wants four. They, they want the answer. I don't want to work. Well, well, that goes back to precept two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to work. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've come to expect that. And then there's the people that are going to add the um, two plus two, and they're going to get four, but to extend the metaphor, that four might be bolded or underlined or italicized, it's going to take on a different quality because they did the math. Yeah. That makes it your own. If I just give you something, it fine. You know, we, we've all, we all knew the people that, uh, that got that when we were uh, kids that got things and they didn't hold them with any regard. Um, whatever that might've been. It could have been a car. It could have been a yeah. toy, but if you earned it and you worked for it, baby, that was, that was, that was held um, respectfully. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a big believer in that, in that two plus two equals four. 
uh, as opposed to just giving for. And people that want things to be given to them, I politely have no time for them. Hmm. I, you've told me, you've told me who you are. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not going to be a jerk. No. And I'm not going to, you know, pitch a fit or anything. But you've told me who you are. Yeah. And Do you believe, with that in mind, then, that to get anything of? Do you believe that ultimately you have to suffer to evolve? Yeah. yeah or, you do. or or can you can you choose? Here's the thing: meditation. Right. I know we both meditate. We do our variations of prayer and meditation. Fine. So one of the things I'm looking at more now, certainly creatively, but in everything I do, because I think I can definitely be, um, and this isn't about me. For those who are listening, I could, I, I'm trying to get into what you're doing as well, but it can be a bit of a control freak, right? Control the outcomes, whether that be a job yeah, interview, true. new business, controlling the outcomes. So I'm doing my, and that can be true of writing as well, right? Squeezing out the numbers, yeah. done my, whatever it is, fine. But now I'm doing more of, okay, allowing and letting go of resistance, which are sort of heavy-duty non-doing. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, people that are, that are writing, um, and they are um, – sending me, you know, emails. Hey, you know, I got, I got this, I'm working on this and, and you know, and, and I'm engaging in it. It's like, sure. That sounds fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that you found a, a incorrect place to place your, you know, interest or leadership or modeling in me, but, <laughs> uh, you know, okay. I'm, I'm flattered. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with, uh, on email with this, uh, one writer in Colorado and um, she said, well, you know, I'm up to 50,000 words. And I said, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't give a shit how many, you know, I don't want to ever hear about it again. Yeah. Well, I knew her well enough that I could speak. Yeah, in yeah, yeah of course. You know, and she laughed and she goes, okay, okay. Uh, you know, and then, and then the conversation became more about the style, the structure, the trajectory, you know, instead of my word count. When yeah. I see somebody talking about their word count. Okay. I, I, I know that they're, they're sort of at, at a level and they're going to have to punch through that level. They're going to yeah. have to punch through that to become good. Well, it's the, it's the white belt who's key eyeing super loud at the back. It's just to let you know we're here in it. And actually there's a point yeah. where if I can write an epic, a big novel, it means I'm a real writer. That's, that's what that story is, isn't it? Word counts. Well, um, there's a comedian. I love comedians because, of course, they're society's gesture, jesters, right? Oh. And um, the uh, and I, I range. I mean, I, I range from um, you know laughing at uh, curb your enthusiasm with Larry David to to still laughing at the two Ronnies. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I grew up on the yeah. two Ronnies. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, well, we could go on about that, but but I want to stay on point. Um, Norm Macdonald is probably my all-time favorite comedian, and he said one time that his idea of a perfect joke is where the intro, the setup, and the punchline 
are identical, separated by the least amount of words humanly possible. Now, this is from a long time ago, and I'm going to repeat his joke. And you won't get it, but you'll get it now that I gave you the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said, today, today, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett announced their divorce because she's Julia Roberts and he's Lyle Lovett. You know, you, you don't have to know the people you, you, <laughs> because yeah. that how, you know, and and it, it's hysterical if you know these people. Now, that's a, a joke from 25 years ago. Yeah. But yeah. my point is that, um, you know, uh, I, I try to write and to speak like Hemingway as much as I can. And it is difficult. It, it is a challenge because you want to put an adverb and an adjective on everything. Mm. Now, what, what, see, see, but that's true of life, right, isn't it? We, yes. we want to add, and no more so than in the kind of social media-driven world. I'm not a social media hater. I'm not going to get all involved in that. It's just a, an interesting phenomenon yeah. where we add that extra, but we embellish ourselves with the extra adverb and stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a killer on that. I've just been told off now for writing too short. She got, I, the, the line was, uh, simplified is not the same as simple. That was it. So, okay, well, back yeah. to drive five then. <laughs> Thanks that, for that's selling off. That, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a great distinction. Mm. That's a great distinction. Uh, yeah, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't look at my books from 10 years ago because if I did, I'd just throw them across the room. Yeah, the and there's no point, is there? You have to have been there. Love it. Yeah. You have to, because because I, I was thinking this with the, with a I wrote this one now since see what I and I and this I think this is true of people who um, for listeners if you're if you're if you're waiting to start what you want to do right if you're waiting for the right time there isn't a right time no. you are going to look back and go that was a horrific and horrific career choice but you'll only get to the other one by going through this one that's the same with writing isn't it Chris that you go. Look, I know I'm going to burn this great idea on the fact that I haven't got the skills to write it. Unlucky that they just happened to match up. That idea and my skills matched up at that time. And I'll look back at it and, you know, we'll have a conversation with God after why that matched up by that at another time. But that's just what it is. And you, you have to go through ABC to get to the to the Zs. I think it's being comfortable with a, kind of the discomfort or knowing that it's not going to be right, I think. The... Yeah, you have to be un uncomfortable with that. Um, whether it's martial arts or writing mm. or your career or relationship, um, <clears throat> they're all babies. Babies come when babies come. That's the deal. Yeah. Babies, they're the smallest, most weak thing on the planet. Um, and yet they are able to, to demand everything on their schedule, mm. um, whether it's going to be conception or birth or, uh, you know, you see those cases, you know, somebody's got a 19-year-old and 17-year-old and they've got a two-year-old. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, no, you know it, wasn't, it wasn't on the calendar. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 that's the way life is. You can, uh, and it, whether it's martial arts or uh, writing or relationship, you know, you can look back on things and with you know that twenty twenty retrospective review, you can actually place things in order to make it appear as if it was perfect and it worked out. Now. I'm going to tell you that that I, like I said, I live in a world of symbology yeah. and um, of um, I, I don't believe in coincidences. Um, I'm 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 a believer of uh, a divine hand in daily life, mm -hmm. and if you see with that perspective, then things become infused with that behavior sure. with that intent with that perspective if you don't see it that way and you see it as completely random then you know that's fine too um but you will not allow randomness in your life if you ask somebody um hey that new car you bought that's really a sweet yeah thank you very much did you did you get a good yeah we got a good deal nobody ever says wow we got screwed <laughs> You know, uh, sure. <laughs> because because you rationalize it in sure. in the rearview mirror, yeah. you know, to continue the car. Um, but and and so uh, you know, people say those kinds of things, and they 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 structure them so that it can sit well within the way that they perceive the world. So if you perceive it with some sort of uh, a divine hand in the machine, then you know, that's the way that you see it. Mm. If you, if you see it without that, then that's the way you see it. But in, and, and so for somebody to say, I see it as a random occurrence and so forth, but as I look back on it, it appears that it worked out for me. Well, it does because you've chosen to see it that way. There's no difference between those two perspectives in regard to how you orient yourself yeah. other than the lens, the color of your lenses. Yeah. We we so, sort of cling to our models of reality just to uh, just to get some semblance of control. It's just a very human thing to do, isn't it? Because if, if you just step into that hole, we have no control. That would be, I mean, that's the most terrifying step into the void. So we do a, a brilliant book. You may have read it, um, uh, the Science of Storytelling by Will Store, and he talked. No, I mean, he's, he's talking about it. It's, I would highly recommend. You'd love it, Chris. It's very very good. But he talks about the kind of you know the cognition of storytelling and, and um, both in telling stories and hearing stories. Right. And one of this, he talks about, he's talking about how you should do it in a character, having a flawed model of the world. We all know the wants and needs of a character in fiction, et cetera, et cetera. And how as humans, we, we all are those characters. We have a flawed model, cognitive bias, and we cling to it just to make sense because otherwise you, you just wouldn't come out of your house. You wouldn't come out of your bed, let alone get downstairs and come out of your house. So we just hold on to these things and, and look for gaps, which just makes us go on, whether it's right or wrong. But then I'd ask, does it matter? Because if it gets us to where we want to go, then it's a model that works. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy that says, if that model works, then, you know, as, as long as it's um, lawful and moral, mm. you know, yeah, please continue. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's uh, like, like, here's an example. People say, um, 
sports, you know? Oh yeah. Well, we've got penalties in sports because somebody stepped outside the rules. And so we have to have rules to make it a fair game, right? You know, we want to see, we want to see a fair uh, match out there on that pitch. And that's what we want to do. And at the end of the day, the best team will win because it was fair. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we don't. Um, more people follow Manchester United than Chelsea because Chelsea isn't as good as United or <laughs> Manchester City now or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, people follow the winners and uh, they they actually want a slaughter. They yeah. want their chosen team to destroy the other team. They don't want to win on a last minute goal. You listen to people walking out of the out of the match and they're like, wow, it shouldn't have been that close. Shouldn't have been. That was incredible. You know, you listen to the sports people. It's like, wow, something's wrong. They did not. Do- no, we want a slaughter. Yeah. We do not want a fair match. And we exhibit it every day in our sporting events, whether it's boxing or or football or whatever it might be, baseball, it doesn't make any difference. And if you can ever explain cricket to me, please. But my point is... <laughs> I'd have to get Sherry to do that. Don't ask me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just insanity as far as I can tell. But, but you know, we delude ourselves and we say, oh, we want that fairness because those are the lenses that we wear. But all of our behaviors and our words indicate otherwise. Mm. You know, yeah. people don't follow losers. They follow winners. Yeah. Yeah. And they want, they want a strong winner. People do not want a weak king. They want no. a strong king. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything worse in history than to have a weak king? No. no. That's the worst. Because I'm, I'm paying my taxes and I'm getting nothing. Yeah. And yeah. No, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's the same with watching performers or comedians, going back to your love of comedians. Yeah. No yeah. one wants to sit in a comedy club with someone who comes on shaky. I'm not paying my no. $5 and get my beer to watch you have confidence issues. Do that with your own therapist. Come on here, make me laugh, and then I can go home. That's, a, that's the what's in it for me, isn't it? That's why we as absolutely. entertainers, we just come in and fool me. Um, don't care about your sad life just for this half an hour, whatever your set is or whatever it may be. And it's harsh, but that's absolutely true. I, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, so, um, you know, you, you, you can put that in the combination of, you know, how we see the world and what we do in the various phases of our lives and what we really, um, what, what we value and you can always tell what somebody values. It's, it's very simple. It's not difficult at all. Just watch their actions. Hmm. If, she's not, if she's not returning your phone call right away, she's not that into you. Hmm. She's, she's probably keeping her options open for another guy. Okay, I got it. Hmm. You're not that into it. All right, fine. Um, yeah, and you can you can watch this and i and i don't <laughs> i don't want to make this sound uh bad like it's a gender thing or anything but look men ask women choose that's the way that it works okay um and um women have a have a right to be a bit persnickety they have much more at risk than men do um 
you know, um, wasn't that far and long ago in history that uh, childbirth was pretty risky. Yeah. You know, Um, and uh, so, you know, that women will, will make rules for subordinate men, but they will break rules for alpha. They'll do that because it's in their interest to do that. So you just watch the actions. Men have, you know, an alternate thing. And so they, they, you know, men behave in, in, in ways that uh, indicate that, you know, I don't want her and I want her. She looks like she will have good children. Her, not so much. So when you look at, um, when you talk to men and they're going, wow, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's all this. Generally, it's based around um, health and a reasonable proportion. Mm. That's why men find women athletes attractive is because they're healthy. Mm. You know? So, you, you know, all you have to do is you just have to look at the actions yeah. of whatever is being done around you. And that tells you what you need to know. It, you know, talking about symbology I don't know how much more symbolic you can be than, you know, brutally go, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. And to take that action, I could say anything that I want to say, but it's what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 When you, speaking of symbology then, and kind of recognizing symbols in your own life, have you used those symbols to inspire you to your next career. So I'm thinking ahead for people who are struggling to choose what they want to do. Like I've, I, for example, my symbology has been, has been kind of gut. I, I've, I've known when I've, it's time to, I, I knew when it was time to stop teaching tennis and I knew when it was time to start karate and I knew, yeah, I've done all, all that. So that symbol was mm-hmm. for me, just a gut feeling. Have you, have you had signs? Have things shifted for you? Have, have they been automatic? How has that shown for you when you went, right, now I'm going to move from, you know, my government work, as it were, to how has that worked out for you? Yes. Uh, there's, there's an old saying, you know how to make the angels laugh? Go on. To tell them your plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, and, and what will happen is that if you strike out on a course, which is not consistent with your skill set and your responsibilities, it will become painful Mm -hmm. and it will become more painful and more painful until you learn the lesson, recant, adjust, whatever it needs to be. So, um, you know, when, uh, when the, the, you know, the Buddhist says that all life is suffering. Yeah. You know, you're bringing it on yourself, which is another thing it's said, right. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, and so, um, when I look at that, you know, yeah, I've had, I've had, I've had profound moments of symbology, um, that because of my background border on the mystical, yeah, you know, border nothing. They are, uh, but then there's also those moments of um, like, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? How much more do we have to turn up the heat mm. before you stop this? Yeah, um, and those those happen, and 
you know, uh, men as a, as a gender have a tendency to hang on too long, stay too long, work it out. I can fix this. I can do that. I can make this business work. I just need another six months and a little bit of some cash. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just a little, that's the control, isn't it? That just, just yeah. holding on to that idea of control rather than just knowing this is, this is, this horse is dead. This horse is in the ditch, man. <laughs> it's- yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love those 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 uh, you know people that put out the memes. Well, maybe not the people, but the but the memes. You know, it's like you know, don't ever give up, don't ever quit. Oh no, no, there's times to quit. Yeah, there are times yeah, to yeah, give yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, there, there are, and and knowing the difference between the two is significant. I don't know that there's a handbook no. on when and where. I think it is uh, contextual. Um, so, you know, the answer is yes. And, and some things have been pitched to me and I've picked them up and other things have not been and uh, pitched to me and I've had to discover them. Right. And right. sometimes, you know, you, how many times is it that you've opened up a book and just started reading it and go, this is exactly what I need to hear. Yeah. You know, this I remember a conversation with my father one day. I said, you know, hey, this guy said this. And it was really, you know, it was probably in my 20s. Boom, 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 boom. This guy did this. It was fantastic, you know, and everything. And my dad said, I've been telling you that for years. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds, you know, sounds like a karate lesson, doesn't it? Sounds like a martial arts <laughs> lesson. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to listen because it's you, you know. And, and so sometimes it has to come, uh, like, like we say in the States, it has to come from left field, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, no, I agree. I, I agree with you. I, I found that through my life that um, it, it comes when it comes and it, it can't be avoided, it seems. And, and the times when I try and squeeze things, and, and that has shown in every level of my life, from creative to fighting to, yeah, to all levels. Uh, when I've squeezed it, I'm absolutely useless. I offend everyone around me, lose friends, fail. When I'm a bit more chilled, I kind of meet nice people. It generally works and happy days. It's a funny thing. Yeah. But, but that's that weird thing is you see it work and then you try and, you know, oh, I must, I've seen it worked. It came to us kind of serendipitously or handed to us, right? Fine. That's great. It's the gift. And then we try and look at the ingredients to repeat it. Like we managed it the first time. <laughs> it's that sort of <laughs> yeah. with, with 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 taking into uh, no account that the situation is different yeah yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> i've got the formula here i've got this yeah. formula here yeah. yeah you know and that's that's the the saying you know uh that um it isn't necessarily true but it's said that um uh every general fights the battle today with the tools and experience of the last battle yeah 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 and that, that and that's very that's a kind of that's a classic being in the moment now thing isn't it you we're only ever in the moment right of course we have the experiences of yesterday and we are using that experience in the moment to plan for tomorrow maybe but we only ever have that moment that is right here right now and that's where the magic is and that's why I think why meditation or prayer or whatever is so important. One, just for you know, 
calming, fine, just to use the standard high street, but also to tap into something a little bit deeper where we can start to go, actually, what is my purpose here? What do I really, really want to do? And I think that silence and solitude is important for that, right? Yeah, it, 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 is, it is challenging. And it's difficult to find the um, moving. I just moved away. Um, it's difficult to find the um, the way in which that is employed. And um, yeah, it you have to find it. You have to work for it because it's not going to just land. Yeah, there. You know, it's again. It's that that baby line. When is the when is the baby coming? When the baby comes. When yeah. is the baby conceived? When the baby is conceived, you don't have any any choice. So if you treat something that um, comes at you as uh, horrific and bad, and this is inconvenient and it's terrible, then you know you're tr- you're you're like treat- turning that baby into a demon. Mm. You're turning it into a dragon. It isn't necessarily so. Uh, it's a baby, yeah. you know, so, so something lands in your lap. Um, you know, what would the Stoics say? The Stoics would say, can you control it? Yeah. Yes, I can. Well then do the best with it as you can yeah. and move on. Can you control it? No. Why are you even talking about yeah, it? Yeah. Why, why worry about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and um, although there are times where this is appropriate and not appropriate, um, you know, uh, our, our fame, our favorite Navy SEAL, Jocko Willenick, you know, he, uh, he's very fond of the phrase good. You know, we didn't, we didn't get the uh, materials that we asked for so that we could do our mission. Good. Mm. Now we'll do this. Yeah. We didn't get, you know, good. Everything is good. And I don't know that that's necessarily 100% of the way to approach it, but it is a powerful position to have. Well, it's definitely empowering, isn't it? Because then, because then yeah. you're now, now your choice and a decision maker in relation to something rather than wasting 10 minutes complaining about something that makes no odds anyway. It's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The water is underneath the bridge. Yeah. It's already gone. Now, I want to look at then. So, um, discuss there a little bit about kind of finding your meaning, really. And it can be serendipitous. I'm very, I feel like you on that. I'm very symbolic. It feels right. Speak to me about people then who um, have picked what they want to do, right? Whatever they're going to move into, uh, whatever work, whatever career. Um, they put it out there. It feels right. They've <laughs> they followed the signs, et cetera, et cetera. They've woken up with the divine vision and that's it. They're going to be a postman, writer, I don't know, list, list. And mm. then it doesn't look like it's happening. You know, that gap between, wow, inspiration, this is the way it's going to be. There's no, you know, and then, wow, it just doesn't seem to be working. How have you managed to keep the faith, if you like, whether that be religious faith or spiritual faith or just faith in the project, when it doesn't look like it's happening? It's very easy to pull the plug too early, right? You know, I understand the question. So um, the, um, the choices that you make, Determine what's going to be the order of your life. So if I decide that I'm going to be a musician, I said I was going to be a musician. I didn't say that I was going to be 
a rock star. I didn't say that I was going to be, said I was going to be a musician. Well, back in our youth and our parents' youth, it was get a good job, get with a good company, do a good job, be a good worker, you'll get paid well, and everything will be okay. Yeah. Well, that really was kind of a, a recent development, you know, um, <clears throat> and we, we, we attach to it. But there's, uh, if you look at musicians today, we're just using musicians as an example, the, um, there are many that have uh, alternate roles in their mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, you know, being a father or a husband or a wife or whatever, you know, it might be. Um, but they also have other endeavors. So because music now, for our purposes, is free. Yeah. We yeah. don't buy albums anymore. It's, it's you know, I, I can go listen to the new James McMurtry album for free. Yeah, it's a different beast, isn't it, with streaming and Spotify and whatever else it is. Yeah. So, so, so they have to they have to reach out and they reach out in different things. It's like, well, we're going to have shows. We're going to have. I was I was on a tour bus with a band one time. Um, I don't have you ever heard of Guar? I think so. I don't know if I've only heard of it through you, but yeah. like a it, rock it, band. It, yeah, yeah. It's 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 just a, it's a performance art thing. Okay. But, but, you know, they were like, um, yeah, we're getting together all of our uh, childhood and middle age, you know, middle, um, you know, youth pictures and so forth. And we're building this coffee table book of all of the members of the band. And, you know, through aspects of their life, we're going to sell it. You know, we, we actually sell uh, drumsticks and picks that were used in the show the night before. Uh -huh. uh, not only do we sell the T-shirts, but we also have uh, two tiers of visitation this much money gets you, uh, you know, a picture photo op before the show. This much money gets you into the green room for half an hour before yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they have to, they have, they have to tear all of this stuff. Yeah. Which back when back in the day, it was like if you worked for the radio station and you had a couple tickets, you could get backstage. Now, that's that's what musicians have to do, and so, but they've chosen their lot. This is what we do. This is who we are. We're unique. Nobody does what we do. We do it this way. Yeah. But now our music is free, which used to be what, I mean, that's, you're a band, you're a rock band. That's what you do, yeah. you know? So, but now you do all of these other things as well. So if I wanted to become, you know, the world's greatest, um, you know, 12 string acoustic guitarist, um, I've already limited myself immensely. Um, I said in class the other night, I was talking about practice and dedication of practice. And I talked about Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. And who, who you talk, who's that? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, are, are you, this guy is, I, I, I can't even, I can't even, I can't do this. <laughs> you know? <Exactly. laughs> that was, incredible. but, but I was, I was actually more respectful and introductory in my, in my yeah, yeah. external <laughs> conversation. But, um, you know, but but that's the point is here is this guy that is 
at the height and has been for, for years as a musician. And you could walk out this, I, I guarantee you, you could throw a rock out your window and hit somebody and they don't know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you limit yourself even when you're uh, in, that, in that role. And when you limit yourself, you have to kind of squeeze out into other arenas to, to make things work. Mm. Um, you know, there are those people that make a living as a martial arts instructor and they have, you know, six schools scattered across the Southland and, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And, and you and I both, you know, we, we, we cross our arms and sort of lift our nose and sniff at that. <clears throat> Shouldn't it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for them. It's a good thing for the students. It's an introduction in a way that maybe people didn't have, you know, you could shape it so many different ways, yeah. but, but, but they're making it. Most people can't and don't make a successful living in the martial arts or as a musician, but you can do other things as well, because really, are you only one thing? And the answer is no, you're not. Well, that's the other thing as well is there's an interest factor, isn't there? Is there actually being, and you are, you're a classic example. I mean, look at, you You know, look at your essential online CV, all the things that you've done. And you'd say a better person, certainly more interesting because of that. So for example, I don't have a ton of um, just martial artists on here. Because mm. as much as I respect them, and I, you know, as you have, we've studied under a number of martial artists, but it's the ones who have other stuff in their lives that bring something else to their game. So I would argue that actually that mixture of stuff is kind of what makes the beast much more interesting, I think. Um, oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, th there's nothing wrong with um, stability and consistent stayed behavior. Mm -hmm. I want that personality engineering my bridge. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hire the dull guy if he does my yeah. bridge to my... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want the guy who was, you know, in his home studio 24 hours ago working on his guitar on a, on, on a project he likes to call sound shapes, you know, I not, not, not interested in him doing that. Everybody yeah, he, has, a yeah, he can step away from the bridge. Giuseppe yeah. sound shapes, please step away from yeah. the bridge. I don't know. Yeah. Why, yeah. I don't know why he's suddenly <laughs> Italian. <laughs> uh, so, you know, different and and you know there's people like 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 i uh can appreciate that 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 stayed metered person uh it's not my choice to spend a lot of time with them yeah but i do respect i do respect their role yeah yeah, and, yeah for sure. and how they go about their life yeah. i'm not it's not for me but if it's the way that they choose, then very well and good. And, and I can, I can respect that. And like I said, as long as you're living a lawful and moral life, I'm, I'm pretty okay with whatever yeah. you choose to do. Yeah. You want to dye your hair magenta and 
you know, throw a bunch of uh, fishing lures into your face like you fell down the stairs with a tackle box, you know, go ahead. Um, you know, I, I, but it's not for me. Not for me. Yeah, dy- dyeing my hair magenta. Can imagine that, right? Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Bald head. Bald head magenta. So what, so what for you, what is your next evolution then? Chris, where are you? What are you up to now? You, you're just you're working on a new book, aren't you? Uh, just um, re-updated and, and republished the martial arts for kids. Nice. Uh, the way of martial arts for kids. Um, brought it, brought it, updated it, you know, did a bunch of stuff there. Um, you know, the 10 immutable laws of karate is out there. Um, you know, Masashi um, field manual, which, you know, is quite a thing. What's that? The do- is that the docker dog? No, no. The Dokodo is a different thing though. It, it, well, the Masashi field manual is based around the, the, uh, Dokodo, which is, you know, the final precepts that Masashi put forward for his uh, disciples. And, um, what Lawrence and I did is we created a, a workbook so that you take uh, his precept, which is, you know, sometimes only 15 words. And then there's a little bit of a narrative, a little bit of contextual, you know, here's what, you know, here's a story, here's what someone might. And then there are several questions in the workbook that you need to answer. We thought it was brilliant. We thought it was a fantastic idea and spent a long time putting it together. It it looks fairly simple, but it's not. And, and we spent a goodly amount of time and it has fallen flat. It has fallen flat. The sales are negligible. Well, you look at that and you ask why. And yeah, Lawrence is like, well, we got a pretty good cover. We got this. And I said, you know what our problem is? We ask people to work. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's exactly right. We ask people to work. People don't want to work. And they're not going to. If they're given an opportunity not to work, they won't. 80% of the people won't work. 20% of the people will. 20% of the people are autodidactic. They're out there. What do you got? How are you doing that? Why is that that way? I want to know more. Can I do it too? How that stings, you know? And But but 80% of the people don't want to work. Now, that sounds like I'm making it sound as if it's some sort of moral failing. Uh, yeah, I am. No, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly uh, my point. <laughs> what it is is that is that you know human beings are are predators. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have claws, but we have you know an, an amazing brain. Our eyes are in front of our face for stereoscopic vision and all of these kinds of things. We're omnivores, blah 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 blah. And you know when a predator's needs are met, they stop their predation. Uh, look at lions. The only time they really get up and do anything is to go kill something and eat it. Mm. Um, predators are uh, easy to keep in a zoo. It's the herd animals that are horrific. Yeah, yeah. Because they always got to move. Yeah. Meet the needs of a predator. A predator sits down. So you know, we live in a world where most of our needs are met, and we can complain about it. You know, we can we can complain and you know, um, having gone into the, to the, uh, gas station and thinking that I was going to get a, uh, 
you know, a Red Bull and a Turkish delight and they don't have any Turkish delight and being incensed that, you know, it's not there. Um, you know, when, when I, honestly you, you, you turn on your, your faucet and you have potable water. Yeah. That's, that's pretty extraordinary. Um, and so most people's needs that you and I know uh, in the first world and even in the second world to a second, to a large degree are met. Most of our needs are met. Yeah. And so there's no reason to sit down with the Masashi field manual and actually tear myself apart with intent to reassemble myself yeah. on the other end. And especially because I think now we are not as encouraged, I would suggest. I don't know if this is a bit too big, too broad, but I'm going to say it. Not encouraged to think as much existentially as religion collapses, right? We're not pushed to think. So we've got all our kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first batch sorted, but actually we're not bigger. Because if you're looking to think bigger, I would argue that all of your work is exactly the sort of thing you need to look at because that really is stretching, stretching, but I'm not again. So go back to social media. I don't think social media is stretching us to think beyond the beyond, which is for me, for example, I, I just find that fascinating. I want to know, I like symbology. I like the kind of the big questions, you know, just, just sitting in the kind of the mundane is, is mind numbing. Um, and I'm not sure we're, are we encouraged at the moment to be thinking big? Maybe not. Maybe that's a problem. No, no, we're not. We're not encouraged to, to think big. Um, we're encouraged to, um, okay, let me back this up <clears throat> because, um, and, and I'm going to use this as an example. And I, I realize that it's going to get lost. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm anyway. going to get lost anyway. <laughs> that hasn't stopped us in the past. <laughs> so we, we take a look at, at, at uh, COVID-19. You know, where did it come from? Now, I've got an opinion, but it's not a valid opinion because I don't have any firsthand knowledge of mm. where it came from. Um, how do we deal with it? Well, we're going to deal with it in the best way that we know how. Is it, is it the right way? Don't really know. Um, you know, and you could go through those lists, but one of the things that you've discovered in COVID is, um, you know, people are going to at, argue about whether or not a mask is the proper thing to do. And they're going to argue that this mask doesn't work. That kind of mask doesn't work. You only have to have this kind and it must be this and yeah. And studies show and, 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 and everybody, when I say every, everybody, I mean, everybody's got an opinion because it affects them personally, whether they're extended family or themselves. And with that comes this, um, looping around like you're talking about at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like um, um, gnats in a kitchen, just spinning around and spinning Mm. around and kind of, you know, that's, that's not the way to, to approach this. It is, it is a different approach that could say something like, um, 
you know, I don't like the idea of wearing a mask, but from a simple risk management position, it makes sense. Mm. From a simple risk management position, I'm going to go get on a flight here in two days to go to your favorite city in the world, Las Vegas. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be wearing a mask when I walk into the airport and on the flight until I exit the airport. They've decided that that's what they're going to do. I'm vaccinated. I don't know that I really see a purpose to it, but it doesn't make that big of a deal to do it from a risk management standpoint. It might turn out to be utterly worthless but it doesn't harm me and the potential exists. Now, the other side of that is I've got a right to not wear a mask. Yes, you do. But sometimes you have to set your personal liberties aside for the betterment of all. It doesn't mean that you're doing it permanently. It just means that you're deciding to do it at this time. Mm-hmm. And we do that kind of stuff all the time. Grandma's ill. I really want to go to that soccer match, but instead I've got to go help grandma. Absolutely. You know, you do it all the time. I agree with you. That. You know, we do, so we, we're not, fr- we like to think, we think that our freedom has been given up, but we were never free. Now I don't say that negatively at all. Right. Because ju- yeah. ju- that's a classic example of what you just said. I love that because that's absolutely right. Grandma's not well. We've got to go and help. We were never free. None of your day is free. Now, I don't, that isn't then an attack on our freedom. What, what then we start to get, and obviously, you know, Sherry's from South Africa, and we've, we've been to Robin Island and, mm-hmm. and to where uh, Nelson Mandela was first arrested on Nottingham Road. That could be wrong. No, don't write in anyone. It's somewhere. Anyway, there's a the monument there. My point. Yeah. He was a classic example, as there have been many, but he's just been on my mind because a memory came up on Facebook, that your your freedom is found within your head. Your freedom is found within your own mind, which kind of brings us on to are we um, at the moment? No one's questioning. No one's thinking big, because if you were thinking bigger, you'd realize, actually, you don't have any personal freedom as such. As soon as you kind of log on anywhere, you're not free. Fine. So where can you find it in your head? Get used to being comfortable in your own thoughts, because that's the only place where it's happening. No, I, I, yeah. I think a lot about that. They're kind of, oh, no, I'm giving up my rights. You've been giving them up since you were born. Relax. Try, try. If you weren't, try and smash into a shop and take whatever you like and then see how free you are. Yeah. It, it, it is a matter of perspective. So, you yeah. know, when you talk about that, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you approach it from the standpoint that we have just been discussing just a few minutes ago, you're never going to get out of that strata. You're always going to be in that lower strata of your basic needs being met. What about my basic needs? What about my basic needs? I, I, I want to share this story with you because it's frustrating to me. But um, I was at a baseball game recently, and um, it was low. It was low attendance that day because it was a holiday or something. I don't know what it was, but anyways, low attendance. And sitting in front of us, kind of off to the side, was a couple. And there was nobody around them for, 
I'm going to tell you, 10 seats all the way around. Right. Well, about midway through the game, a couple shows up. And they're like, oh, hey, how are you? And they sit in, the, they're looking down and they're going, oh, these are our seats. And they sit down in the seats directly in front of that couple. And the guy's massive. He's blocking their way and everything. And it and it's like, you know, these are our seats. We paid for these seats. These are our assigned seats. We're going to sit in our seats. And in my world, I'm going, you're halfway through the game. Clearly, there's a whole bunch of seats that are available that yeah. are very close to the seats that you bought. You can shift and be out of their way and have a little more room to yourself. Yeah. yeah. But they yeah. can't think that way. Yeah. They don't, you know, no, these are the seats we bought. These are the seats we're going to sit in. And, and I've, I've, I've had it happen on, a, on um, you know, an, an aircraft before. I was sitting, I made a mistake and I was sitting in the center seat. And the woman came up and she said, oh, excuse me, you're in my seat. And I went, oh, no, I, you know, and there was that discussion. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that I had actually had the aisle seat. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good here. If you're, it wasn't a long flight. I'm quite yeah. good here if you're fine. You know, and, you, and she goes, no, 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 that's the seat I paid for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got up and moved to the aisle seat and she sat in the center seat when I was very willing to give her that yeah. through my own error. But no. And so. You know, that that lack of, of of flexibility of not seeing the larger goal, but just being involved in the tactics, you turn into that gnat in the kitchen looking for yeah. the next piece of fruit yeah, yeah. instead of ascending through the, the higher levels. Is it is it possible that you can do that? You know, if you could go up Maslow's hierarchy of needs or you can move up spiral dynamics or whatever, you know, you want to do. Yeah, absolutely but it takes effort. Yes. And if your needs are met, you're not inclined to really be, oh, I had a Mar I had a karate instructor one time. He said, you need to train in your karate like you are a cold starving man. You have to turn over every rock. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, which brings us back to what we kind of spoke about at the very start, actually, where if we believe that growth does actually have to, there has to be suffering some degree. I mean, that's certainly how the Buddhists frame it. it has to be some degree of suffering for growth to have happened. Uh, or for but, I, but, I, but I'm going to tell you that I reject that. Go on. I, re, I, I reject that as the... And, and, and I'm not going to say that I personally, I agree with you. You and I agree. But I'm going to say that the majority of people reject that. Um, how many times have you gone to a restaurant, any place that you would buy food, and the order wasn't quite right, and you just went, eh, it's okay. I, yeah, I'm, I'm super guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, I always do, do that. <laughs> how many times did we have... But how many times have we had people say, I ordered a small fry, not a large fry. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want a small fry and make them take it back. And it's like, just don't eat as many. Yeah. And now it's a small fry. It's a small <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'll just, do that too. Just chew you know? half of each one. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Just Send half of each one. one. <laughs> but, 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 you know, and, and that's not really a case of suffering. But there, you know, there, 
I, I'll tell you what, you know what, you know what the worst thing is that can happen to a comedian is to um, get married, get a stable life and live that life. Yeah. It, it destroys them. Well, it stops your observation because- of the very thing that makes you funny doesn't it? It stops your observation of pain because that's what comedy is our beautiful release. Good comedy comes from pain and anger. Of course. It's the only way to move it. It either stays inside and we end up dying of something, which I think I I do. I'm a big believer of internalized emotion, whatever. Um, Or we laugh (laughs) ourselves and make others. The two, the two Ronnie's the very famous skit where, uh, you know, the guy was in an interview and he answered the question before it was given. Yeah. And so he was always answering, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> right. well, we found it funny because there was some alliteration to it and all this kind of stuff. But the deeper thing is, is that we're laughing at the bureaucracy. You know, we're laughing because the answers don't really mean anything. And the guy is still asking the questions, not getting the answers that he needs and, and so we laughed at the inaneness yeah. of the bureaucracy, plus the other levels. That comes from a frustration of the pain of dealing with, you know, bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was done. Is that skit 40 years old? It's got to be. It's got to be. My, my granddad was watching that. I was watching that as a kid. What am I, 48 now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's old stuff. Those guys, they were brilliant. Old school. But... I've been studying uh, comedy to improve my writing, not to write comedy writing, but just to understand the process. And I would say that comedic writing is the highest level of introspective writing I've ever studied. It's incredible. It's incredible. It is. It is. Excuse me. Um, the, 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 The truly good comedians are willing to roll it out that introspection that pain and that suffering so you know the buddha says you know life is suffering and um you know you need to seek enlightenment and if you have enlightenment you know you'll be you you know the pain will go away um because you will discover that it's all turtles stacked on turtles you know (laughs) it's all it's all the same. They're all brought ones, one turtle after another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, we, we as human beings avoid pain. And if we can do that, we will, we will do it 100% of the time. Um, and I know that you don't. Yeah. but I know I- that you acknowledge it and go, <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I guess this is going to be what it's going to be now. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortably hot for the next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting viewpoint. And so, you know, we talk about the creativity, the martial arts, the, you know, martial artists are different because they're willing to engage in uh, self-improvement. And one of my karate instructors said it this way. He said, the dojo is the furnace in which we forge the iron of our will. Mm. Mm. Okay. And he kind of said it jokingly, you know, with his arms on his hips, like a yeah. superhero, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 
but but again, humor. Yeah, yeah. But again, but again, humor bringing forward the uh, the the salient aspects. Yeah, of the life. truth. Yeah, absolutely. I in fact, a, a couple of episodes release. I have um, Ensign Ensign Enway, one of the great Pride fighters. His partner Sarah. Well, Sarah is studying um, katana sword polishing. She's an uchideshi, mm-hmm. and that yeah. is literally putting the sword through the fire. That's that was fascinating. Yeah. But, but I mean, that is really it behind the whole kind of craftsmanship of sword making, uh, which I find fascinating. Now, listen, I know we've been in a while, so I just want to ask you one more question, which I ask everyone. I ask every guest. Matt, uh, I will talk. I will talk with you until the cows come home. Uh, you know uh, this. You know what I'm like. I, <laughs> I would speak to you forever. I, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not. Yeah, I could forever. But I want as, we, as people leave the podcast, right? I want. I like to leave them with um, one thing that they they're driving, they're thinking about, or they go back to their wives or partners or husbands or whatever, and say, "Yeah, there was this guy, this Chris guy, and he said this." So leave us with one nugget, right? Related to people kind of, as you have done, really, carved a work life. It's been a long work life that you've clearly always passionate about whatever you've done. It's worked and you've made money doing it, you know, enough to keep still doing what you like. Fine. Give us one gem that gets us all there or at least starts that process. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nothing like the big ask for that is it we just big drum roll well, coming in <laughs> yeah what, what what i'd like to do is you know i'd like to um i'd like to uh say it in like five words but i'm not going to i th- i think the driver would be the measure of the value when you have been dead three generations. Mm. If you are dead three generations and people are still benefiting from your work, even if they don't know your name, you've lived a good life. And it could be that bridge that everybody uses. It's been there for 150 years. You, they don't know... I don't know who, you know, built Stanford Bridge. No one knows. You can't name one single person. Um, I don't know the name of one single person who set a stone in the Tower of London, nor do I know who designed it. But we all benefit from it. Mm. And if you can leave something that even though your name is gone to the mist of time, but people still see people still find benefit three generations after your passing. Then I take that as a measure of a good life. That's beautiful. So you guys, that is a perfect place to finish that. Listen, I'm going to put all of Chris's details. Well, not, not his like national insurance and bank account in the description, just his like links. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> getting panicking out there get his details and i recommend check out his stuff he's got a brilliant website it's books you'll see it so i'll put all the links in um i hope you all enjoyed that and you know what i'm going to say because i say it every single week right 
you know someone who needs to hear whatever, whatever we've spoken about, something in here will, will improve someone's life. So take a moment to think about who that is and share this stuff. Not for me, not for me. Trust me, I'm not trying to build a platform, could care less, but because you want to share the information with someone who you know will help. And as always, if you have someone in your lives that you love, don't forget to tell them. Until next time. Oh, yeah, yeah you got to tell them, right? Chris, no, you. you I, I, I want, I really want to Go underscore on. what you just said there. Yeah. In the last two years, I have made it a mission of mine to tell people that I love them. What more beautiful thing can you say to somebody? Yeah. You know, and uh, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's a, a guy that I trained with for uh, a quarter of a century that I'm likely never going to see again. No. He needs to know, Jeff, no. I love you. You know, yes, Matt, take Matt's words. Take, take yeah. tell people don't, it doesn't hurt. It only helps. It's a wonderful thing to say. Don't say it if you don't believe it, but if you believe it, share it. Yeah. It's, it's such a changer. To actually have somebody say that to you. And you don't want to go, you don't want to go, you don't want to leave that, right? You don't want to leave that late. Don't say, oh, I should have done it. It was a bit embarrassing. Don't just, just get that done because more of that makes you feel better, makes everyone feel better. It's important. How many times has that been said to somebody to or fro on a deathbed? Yeah. And it should have been said thousands of times over the course of their lives absolutely absolutely yeah yeah because if you find if you find somebody that's willing to put up with your crap you love them (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so you guys we've got a little addendum i guess we've got a little addendum there yeah no and and now a little extra with matt yeah Uh, on the love station one of the love love station with matt jardine and chris wilder (laughs) I tell you, I, I wanted to. I, I thought it was hysterical. The, just the other day, I put up this. I, I had done a seminar down in San Diego, and we had gone stunt flying, and we flew around. Oh, I saw, I saw the pictures. That looked yeah. amazing. That looked amazing. Well, I just put this up because I found a video of us flying around an a, an aircraft carrier, United States Navy aircraft carrier, and so what I did is is I appended the love boat theme to it. So we're. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> and that's all that matters. <laughs> right on that. Right, note. My friend. Wonderful to talk with you. All Wonderful right. to talk with you. Good to see your face. Say hi to Sherry for me. Send, right. send my love. All right, buddy. You guys listening. Right. I'll speak to you next time. And lots of love. See you on the Buddhist Millionaire podcast. When are we? A couple of weeks. All right. Lots of love. Bye.